0: We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh.
1: This idea of perception is such a big deal. So,
0: it's just part of one of the studies that I use for my work, which showcases that during seven seconds, we make up to 11 major decisions about a person. We think about, for example, their level of trustworthiness or how reliable or how knowledgeable they are. We think about how sophisticated they are, also about their religious background, their political opinions. But I don't want you to get hung up on those numbers because it's not always seven seconds. And de- depending on the occasion, it's not always all eleven decisions. Also, there are other studies out there. For example, we know that online social media profiles, the moment we see a profile picture, we make those perceptions or we imprint certain opinions within milliseconds. Or some say we recognize um, trust and other terms in a face within 100 milliseconds. So the numbers are different, but what they all have in common is our brain, because it is lazy and actually doesn't want to work, makes an instant instant imprint about somebody in a very short amount of time and the challenge is that afterwards once we have that initial opinion about somebody very powerful sources are working against you and those sources are unconscious biases
1: Welcome everyone to this conversation. Nathan Unruh here and I'm super excited about this conversation because it's with one of my good friends who's been very instrumental in my own life in many of our clients' lives. Today I'll be chatting with Sylvie Dejusto. I always butcher her name. Sylvie, did I get close? You got very close and don't worry, my name gets butchered all the time. So you have been super close. Sylvie and I got to know each other. Sylvie, Was introduced to me by a friend of mine that says, you've got to meet this Sylvie. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's a professional image consultant. And so that's what started the relationship. Since then, I've had Sylvie speak at our events and we'll have her speak again at our events. Mm -hmm. She has a tremendous skill set on leadership, on giving us tools and resources to how can we become better human beings. And so today we're going to dive into some principles that she teaches about leadership and who knows where the conversation will take us. So Sylvie, thank you for doing this and just kick us off and and tell us your story.
0: Well, thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm always excited to spend time with you and your amazing community. Let's start very early when I was uh, five years old and we just moved from France to uh, Austria. Uh, My brother said it was the first time that he heard me saying that when people ask me what I want to be when I'm a grown-up, right? Other kids said, I want to be a chiropractor, for example, or a teacher or a police officer. And he said it was the first time that he heard me say, I want to be an American. It took quite long until uh, this came true. And in the time in between, I had the great pleasure to work for organizations around the world. And the last 10 years of my corporate career, I spent as the head of a leadership management development academy for one of the biggest retail and tourism organizations in Europe. And so my job was to work with the top 100 leaders in that organization and develop programs for them that help them in their daily tasks, but also look out for new talent within or outside of the organization, to always feed that bucket of exceptional leaders. Back then, what always fascinated me and frustrated me at the same time was very often we hired leaders for positions. And when we interviewed them, you know, they said all the right things. They behaved exactly the way we wanted them to behave. They even looked the way we wanted them to look. And then years later... We had to fire them because of a total lack of performance. And on the other hand, we had so many young, ambitious leaders in that organization where I wondered, why didn't they stand out to us as potential leaders for that position we just filled with somebody from the outside? And so I started studying the topic of perception, how do we perceive people, why do we think about people in a certain way, and how are our thoughts and therefore actions influenced by their image. Long story short, it took until I turned 35, until an opportunity came up and I moved to the United States, fulfilling my lifelong dream, and then decided to go on the other side, of the on the educator side, on the speaking side, and started out as an image consultant in New York, writing my first book, The Image of Leadership, back there. And uh, this is actually also how we met. Um, One day, I noticed big orders of books on Amazon. And I thought, who is this? Who is ordering books in bulk there? Obviously, I was excited and thrilled to learn a little bit later when we got introduced that was um, you. In the meantime, I let go of the image consulting side um, of my business and focus on keynote speaking. And I help organizations and associations and government agents to help their leaders be perceived in the best possible way, how they would like to be perceived, but also the organization would like to be perceived. And perception is a big deal. Perception mm-hmm. is reality. Yes, it is reality because it might not be true. It might not be right, but perception is almost reality to the person who perceives you. The person who has a certain perception about you, for example, as a chiropractor, you are patient, in their mind, their perception is reality, even if it's mm-hmm. not true or real to you.
1: I love in one of your keynotes, and I, I, I use this quite often, so Sylvia, I steal it, mm-hmm. is When you do come back from seven seconds Mm -hmm. and the reality is that within seven seconds, people are making an impression of us. And you speak about there's 11 different metrics Mm -hmm. that they're doing in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. Speak to that just for a second, because I think even if you're telling and setting this conversation up about who you are and what you do, this idea of perception is such a big deal. So it's just part of one of the studies that I
0: use for my work, which showcases that during seven seconds, we make up to 11 major decisions about a person. We think about, for example, their level of trustworthiness or how reliable or how knowledgeable they are. We think about how sophisticated they are, also about their religious background, their political opinions. A lot of thoughts, but I don't want you to get hung up on those numbers because it's not always seven seconds. depending. On the occasion, it's not always all eleven decisions. Also, there are other studies out there. For example, we know that online social media profiles: the moment we see a profile picture, we make those perceptions or we imprint certain opinions within milliseconds. Or some say we recognize uh, trust and other terms in a face within hundred milliseconds. So the numbers are different, but what they all have in common is our brain. Because it is lazy and actually doesn't want to work, makes an instant, instant imprint about somebody in a very short amount of time. And the challenge is that afterwards, once we have that initial opinion about somebody, very powerful sources are working against you. And those sources are unconscious biases. Our brain is set up in a way that it takes shortcuts and we rely on past experiences or we rely on the things that we have learned from our parents, caregivers, teachers, educators, mentors. And so it pulls out those past experiences and past knowledges And our brain always wants to be right. So it will find proof that this first initial opinion about somebody is correct. And it ignores everything that goes against that
1: first initial opinion. Yeah, it's brilliant. So we have to be intentional.
0: Yes, intention is key. Because if you are not intentional about the way you would like to be perceived as a leader... Others will take over the power of your perception. You know, I always say your reputation or your brand is not what people tell you to your face. It's mm. actually what they say behind your bank. And so if you have somehow a way to control that process, wouldn't you want to take control of it at least to a certain amount
1: what's possible? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me, because you were very instrumental in, in, in for me in when we did a course together, if you remember, mm-hmm. on working in virtual workspace, yes. how to set up a Zoom, how to set up the lighting, what are people seeing? Because even when you're on a Zoom, mm-hmm. within seven seconds or milliseconds, people are making a perception of you. So again, perception and intentionality, big deal. So let me transition here, Sylvie. So based on all of your work that you've done, the crowds that you've spoke to, and I encourage you for those listening, if you have an event coming up and you need a phenomenal speaker, Sylvie knocks it out of the park. Get in, t- in touch with her. But of all the things that you've done, the professional image consulting, the work that you did when you first came to New York City, and now the work you're doing now in helping organizations, what are some of the key attributes? Of great leaders? I would
0: start with that leaders have to lead by example. You know, you want people to follow you and you are setting a tone. And if you are not setting at least the tone you expect your team members to amplify to the world, then it will be difficult for you to have conversations with them about what they are doing right or wrong. And that the tone that you set has a lot to do with your own appearance, your own behavior, your own communication, your own digital footprint, how you, for example, show up in virtual meetings, and your team members will look up to you and follow you and hopefully even exceed you. Because I think the second and one of the most underestimated traits is that I believe that great leaders create more great leaders. Very often in leadership, we focus on creating followers or team members, but I do believe that the real task of a great leader is to create more leaders for an organization or for your own company. I also believe that leaders are authentic in their role. However, and you're not going to like this probably when I tell you, I think that authenticity is a lie. It is a lie in the way that it's very perceived by individuals nowadays that being authentic means that I can do just whatever I want because that's me. You, you have to take me as I am. But as a leader, you have a specific role. And that role is different from you being a husband or a wife at home. And that role is different from being a father. And that role is different from being a Paul or a friend. And that role is different from being a leader in an organization who represents him, her, themselves, their team and the organization. And so I think that a leader has to be authentic, but in their role. Because just imagine as a leader, you would talk to your team the way you talk to your spouse or to your children. Or you, know, you would talk to your children the way you talk to your friends would never happen, right? So, I do believe that authenticity exists, but it has different shapes and forms. And being authentic as a leader sounds somehow and feels somehow and looks somehow. And so, within those parameters, I think you can be authentic. And another thing that I truly believe is that uh, great leaders are in control. While you might think that they have the big picture in mind, right, which certainly is important, they are in control of the tiny details, which doesn't mean that they have to execute them themselves, but they are also in control, for example, of the way they are perceived or how they position themselves in an organization. And last but not least, and that might be sound old-fashioned, I know, but great leaders appear, behave, and communicate professional. Yes, professional might look and sound different if you are in Silicon Valley than it sounds in New York. It might sound different if you're a small business owner than if you work in a Fortune 100 company might be different if you work in healthcare or finance, but there is a red thread. And that red thread, I always describe it with respect. As long as you show yourself some respect and offer that respect to others, you will be perceived professional, even if that looks very different from industry position or location you are in.
1: Okay, I want to recap because so brilliant, which I knew you would be, is number one, lead by example. Mm Mm-hmm. So the question there I think of, as you say that, describe that first attribute is, are you worth following? Are Mm -hmm. you leading by example? Two, they create leaders. Leaders create leaders, which is Mm -hmm. super, super brilliant. Three, authentic. You didn't Mm -hmm. make me mad at all because I think that word authentic gets overused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being authentic doesn't give you permission to be a jerk. Being authentic doesn't give you permission to be lazy, mm-hmm. right? But here's what I heard there, Sylvia, tell me if I got this right authenticity with adaptability. Yes, yes. So yes. you've got to understand Absolutely. your audience, be authentically you in that audience, but you have to adapt yourself to meet mm-hmm. the needs and desires of that audience. Mm-hmm.
0: True? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And to that audience that it can include several stakeholders, could be your patients, your clients, or could be others. I-, I give you an example for me being a speaker. When I speak at events, I always remind myself two things. First, before I walk out of a stage, I remind myself that I'm stealing time. And the same is true as uh, you as a leader. I recently watched a movie and it was one of those movies That was so bad from the very beginning, but then you got far long enough that you can't stop. And then you think, well, let's just get through it, right? But at the end, I was so angry at myself that... I will never get that hour and 30 minutes back in my life. They're just wasted. I will never get it back. So before I walk out on stage, or even you as a leader, if you represent your company or your team or whoever is in front of you, always remind yourself, you are stealing time from human beings. Right. Because when I walk on stage, I think, oh, my God, the next one hour, I could steal from hundreds of people in the audience and they will never get it back. So let's make it
1: most effective and valuable to them. That's a great point, Sylvie. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you know, they will never get that back.
1: Yeah. And I think we've got to look at every meeting like that, every interaction Mm -hmm. like that. Let's Mm -hmm. not steal time. Let's invest time. If I
0: walk out there, I not only represent myself and have to be authentic and best possible the best version of myself for myself again i have an audience but i also represent an event host i also represent the company that hired me there is an av team that takes care of me on stage with lighting and sound in the back i'm also responsible for that environment whoever it is
1: good leaders control their environments control their words control you don't necessarily have to be the person doing all those details Mm -hmm. but what I heard is good leaders are in control. Absolutely. And lastly is the communicate professional. And and you really intertwined respect in there, respect of self, respect for others, how you present yourself. So five great attributes. So let's transition in the conversation. Who have been key people in your life, Sylvie, that have helped you, mentor you, lead you, and develop you, whether you've known them or read about them? Who have people in your life and what was special about them?
0: Well, obviously a a variety. Um, Starting with my children at home, right? I, I speak about emotional intelligence and they test my emotional intelligence every single day. Besides that, when it comes to my corporate career, I was just very lucky that at one point I ended up reporting to a leader, the chief human resources officer of that organization, who saw things in me that I didn't even see, that I didn't realize I was capable of. I recently uh, wrote a book called Discover Your Fair Advantage. And during that process of writing it, I often had to think back of that corporate career and how lucky I was to be led by somebody who saw those unique skills and traits and talents in me because I wasn't aware of it. I think as a leader, we often think that we are very self-aware, but the reality is we aren't. First of all, there is proof in studies. And second, the higher we become and the older we get, I call it the CEO disease, the less we take even into consideration that we might be wrong. And the less input do we get from the outside, uh, feedback from team members or other colleagues, uh, depending on our hierarchy, right? So I was just very lucky that throughout this process, I found or I ended up with somebody who saw all those unique talents in me and didn't use them for his advantage only. What he did for me is he prepared me to one day, not take over his job, but he created a leader in me, right? He gave me the opportunity to what I just mentioned before great leaders, create more great leaders. He mentored me until, to my surprise, I was ready and took over that entire management academy. So, to, till today, I'm still very grateful for having been led by such a great leader and mentor. Nowadays, it is every single audience member. Nowadays, at every single event, and it's kind of weird because I get paid for that work, I learn so much, right? I learn so much about different audience, expectations, interactions. I work in a variety of industries. I have so many different leaders in front of me that every day or every time I walk away with some sort of insights. And then there are people like you. We are in contact since many years. I watch closely what you are doing for your community and how you are taking care of them and how you always provide most up-to-date information to them and how much you care about to them.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. So great stuff. So I want to transition to my next question. You've Mm -hmm. given us some great attributes. And then I love how you just talked about those attributes and the people that have done that, those very things for you. I think one of the biggest things that you said that really impacted me just now is the gentleman or the person that saw something in you Mm -hmm. that you didn't even see. Mm -hmm. I think we have to do that good leaders can see and pull things out of people that they don't even see. So as we're looking to mentor people, how do we pull those things out? How do we inspire them or breathe life into them? How do we motivate them, move them to a better life Mm -hmm. to really get their gifts, giving back and having more impact and influence in their own communities? So Mm -hmm. now I'm going to transition though to this question. All great leaders that I have a chance to speak with have a routine. Some of them say, I don't even know I have a routine, but now when you start talking to them, they have a routine. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. what's your routine, Sylvie? So I
0: truly believe that if you don't take care of yourself, others do not believe that you have the capability to take care of themselves too. So part of my routine sounds very selfish, but I very purposefully prioritize myself throughout the day and throughout my routines. You know, I'm a mom, you uh, have a family, uh, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a speaker, I'm a volunteer. Uh, All of us have so many heads and so many roles, and we have a tendency to take care of all the others, totally forgetting about ourselves. But especially as a leader, remember, you want to f- a lead by example and you want to instantly imprint on others that you will be taking care of them. You have to start with yourself and whatever that means for you. For some, that means turning off the cell phone. For some, that means getting massages. For some means that even if I'm not an early bird, uh, every single day I try to start my day with a boat ride. I go out on the water. I'm very lucky to live right next to the ocean and nobody's out there and there is no cell phone and there is no music. There is nothing but me and the ocean and the sun coming up. And if I can't make it in the morning, I try to do it in the evening. My family, I have a very clear role. If you have children, I've learned this from another great leader. Every time I have to decide if I have to opt for work or for family, in this case for my children, I ask myself the 10 10 10 rule. If I opt for work, how will that impact my relationship with my children in 10 days, in 10 months, or in 10 years? And in that question, I always find the answer because. Sometimes we overthink, or myself as a mother, overthinks our... Priorities in our children's lives. Now they are teenagers. They don't care as much uh, uh, about me anymore as they did when they were two, three years. And sometimes I know, well, in 10 days, they probably already forgot that I promised them this, but had to opt for work or for something I have to do for my business, right? But if they will still remember 10 years or even in 10 months that I haven't been there, I might regret it. And then I opt for family. I have a zero email inbox. Uh, routine. So it doesn't work always, but most of the days I don't close down the computer before my emails are not either responded to or moved to the next day because I know it can wait until next day or until the end of the week. I read a lot. Um, Reading is my happy place because I find it is important to surround yourself with different perspectives. So usually I also read books where I'm not from the same opinion or where I see a different approach, just to surround myself with knowledge and expertise from a variety of angles and not to get too biased in my own opinions. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Did I answer your question?
1: No, it's great. And I want to I want to pull a few of those things apart because first of all, it, the 10-10-10 mm-hmm. rule is fantastic. Mm. I'm going to use that because that's a great way of some self-awareness and self-regulation to help make decisions. I have to I give that. credit
0: to a great leader at ADECO where I heard that. So it's nothing that I came up with. She yeah. said it during a presentation and it helped me throughout the past years.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. And I also agree with you. That you have to take care of yourself. It's not selfish because a battery can't give off what it does not have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so making sure that that routine of taking care of yourself all the way down to how you eat and how you exercise and all of those things, you've got to take care of you, take care of your mind. Maybe mm-hmm. that's getting rid of social media or, or diminishing it or getting rid of Netflix. I know for me, Sylvia, as I hear that, you know, I recently read a great book called The Power of Change by Craig Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he does for his own self-care is he made a commitment to floss mm-hmm, seven mm-hmm. days a week. Mm-hmm. And is it about his dental hygiene? Well, sure, mm-hmm. that helps, but it's more of a commitment to his ability to lead himself. Yeah. So for like, for me, one of my things that, and I still, now I'm flossing more because of that. My dentist has been telling me to floss forever and I don't do it as often as I should. I hear that from Craig Rochelle, who's not a dentist. He's actually a pastor. And now I'm flossing because now it connected going, it's about, can I lead myself better? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I'll write down in my planner every day is my weight. It's mm-hmm. not about my weight, even though there's an indirect relationship to the fact that I have more energy, I feel better, my confidence improves, but is my ideal weight where it needs to be? As a sign, can I leave myself? So mm-hmm. I love all those things that you just said. I think brilliant. And as you're listening to this, what's your routine? Everybody's routine is different, but your routine will dictate how great of a leader you are or want to become. So let me finish with this question. Those people that are listening right now, Sylvie, mm-hmm. I want to be a better leader. I don't consider myself a leader, but I want to be a leader. Where do they start?
0: I think first by recognizing that each of us is a leader in some sort, right? You you might not have the, the official title yet on your business card, for example, but trust me when I tell you somebody is looking up to you and following you. And this might even expand within your community or in your family, but even at work, right? Not every leader at work has the official title of being a leader. And that's being said, I truly believe that in the past very often the advice has been given prepare for your next position right appear behave and communicate in a way that you are ready for your next promotion i see it a little bit differently i would like you to go at the very very end of your career what position of leadership would you like to have at the very end? You could say, I want to be the president of the United States. I want to be the CEO of a huge company. I want to own my own practice as a chiropractor, for example. If that is the end position, then already today you have to appear, behave and communicate like that person here at the end of your career path. Because only then on that path People will see your uniqueness, will see your potential, and will be able to help you achieve that end goal. So don't just think about the next step. Think about the end goal and be brave. Go as far as your mind allows you to go and start appearing, behaving, and communicating like that person
1: already today. You know, I love it. I love it. And I love what you said. Be brave. Go for it. Just like you, when you were a, a young woman, said, "I'm going to be an American," and you went for that. And welcome to America. We're glad you're Thank here. Thank you very much. And since last year, look, officially, that's the <laughs> original
0: right. flag I got. I'm oh, your you, American, uh, I but you're official. I love it.
1: I love it. Yes. Okay, so a couple more questions as we close this conversation. There's there's two books: The Image of Leadership and Discovering Your Fair Advantage. I highly recommend you get those books. Sylvia, they can get them on Amazon. And yes. why would they read those books?
0: So The Image of Leadership, my first book here is very much focused on first impressions, how we build first impressions and the elements of your first impression, your appearance, behavior, communication, digital footprint, and your environment. But it has a, a really deep focus on how you appear because Humans are visual creatures. They take a shortcut through your eyes. So I help you a little bit to better understand how are you perceived as a leader based on your visual appearance. The second book is what I just mentioned before, Fair Advantage. The favorite part of this book is, I show you, there is a name at the bottom. Be- Here at the back that you might recognize, Dr. Nathan Unruh. Thank you very much for that. And this is quite uh, a book where I take you on a journey of self-discovery to identify your 15 unique selling points as a leader, meaning what is unique about you as a leader you know very often I only get general and basic answers like you know I'm a, I'm more empathetic and then I walk over to the next leader who says exactly the same so I help you to truly identify what is unique about you as a leader both of those books are available on Amazon uh, as print as ebook and as an audiobook. But knowing you and your so fantastic community, which I love on the door, how about we give away some copies for free? What do you think?
1: I think it's a great idea. So how are they going to earn their free copy?
0: Well, I think parts of this will be uh, on your podcast, right? Parts of this will be out there in the world. How about that the first five People who share your podcast on social media, send you or your team a screenshot and you get me the addresses and I send out some free signed
1: copies. I love do it. You Done deal. Let's do it. Done deal. Good. All right. Awesome. All right, guys. Sylvie, first and foremost, thanks again. Always beautiful. Always brilliant. I love these attributes you gave us. And I want to encourage, listen to this again, if you listen to it. Do a, a time where you can reflect on, hey, are you leading by example? Are you creating leaders? Are you authentic with adaptability? Are you in control? Are you controlling the details? And are you communicating professionally with respect some great attributes? She gave you great ideas of how to start to develop your own routine. Take the time to develop the routine. Be very intentional. So, Sylvie, once again, thanks so much for taking time.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Every minute I can spend with you and your community is well invested. And I'm so glad that we reconnected. Thank you. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com.